0: Offer valid on select AK systems. That's through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: Uh, check it out now. Uh, no doubt
2: now.
1: Uh, Thursday morning, October 3rd, 2019, the Beating the Book podcast, of Megapod, week five. Skill Alexander. What's happening? How you doing, party people? On the show today. Not only a famous rotating guest, but a guest that we've had on for nine years. He's never too big to come on the podcast. We love him for it. First of all, the staples of the show. On my right, from Circus Sports, ladies and gentlemen, he's the uh, conciliary to Derek Stevens over there. He's also the vice president of operations by a more formal title. He's Mike Palm. Good morning, Michael.
2: Good morning, Gil. Very excited to have Joe join us this week.
1: Joe. Ooh, people now, they're like, ooh, I think I know who this is. And on my left, from uh, Showtime's docuseries Action, and also a, a guy who comes on a numbers game on VEASAN every Wednesday during football season, Todd Wishnev. Hello, Todd. Hello, all. Todd, 12 and 8 in Circus, 60%. That means you get to brag and boast. You feeling good?
3: Well, I feel like I'm about to put my new system in place where I have Mike Palm pass post me for the last 20 weeks. <laughs> <Don't> and uh, <laughs> I think I'll be the only one who pass posts and still
1: finds a way to lose. You know, that's that's <laughs> funny. But on the other hand, like Mike is uncomfortable because you can't really say that out loud because then it gives the appearance of impropriety. So you can't really do that, I don't think.
3: Well, being that they post all the pics ahead of time, I don't think it's really possible. Yeah, that's probably
1: true. That's probably true. Um, before we get a Circus Sports Million update, because we have a quarterly winner, ladies and gentlemen, somebody who raked in over $140,000, the rotating guest, uh, Mike uh, tipped us off here. He is the host of Joe and Dibs, the game in San Francisco. They do the morning show over there, very successful morning show. But for our purposes, perhaps more known for his appearances on Daily Wager, espn Two's Daily Wager, which airs Monday through Friday, hosted by Doug Kazarian, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Joe Fortinball. What's happening, Joseph?
4: Gil, it's great to be back. Thank you so much for the opportunity to appear on this podcast. I can't believe it's been nine years... But more importantly, as I become more and more famous and successful, and I continue to leave the little people behind me, it becomes very difficult (laughs) to book me as a guest. And this is a podcast that I very easily could have looked past, but when you told me you got rid of the other two bums who used to appear on this thing, I said, you know what, I'm absolutely in, pick any day or time, uh, and and let's do it. So, all jokes aside, it's good to be back with you.
1: We did. That was not expected. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that you uh, do not step on the little people that we are here. Um, by the way, just on a serious note, are you loving a daily wager? Does it make you less prepared for your morning show? Like, how do you juggle all of that? I
4: love the fact that. Well, okay, so there's there's two things I love about it. One is is this like unintended consequence that I think the show didn't set out for, but it's something that we've been hearing a lot of from from the the viewers. And a lot of people... Who they're they're learning about sports betting, sure. But some people really enjoy the show, and they're not even that big in the sports betting. They just like the fact that it's a show that talks about game. Well, that's interesting. right. Like in this in this world we live in with the media now, it's it's the hot take, it's the embrace embrace debate. There's a lot of controversial conversations and wild statements, and that's what gets people to tune in. We don't really do any of that. That's not what the show is. That's not what you guys are doing in Vegas. You've got games. You're breaking it down. You're trying to find the edge. And we've noticed that a lot of the feedback has been from people who just enjoy hearing about the game. So so that has been a lot of fun. The other part of doing it is that you really have to be on your toes. A guy like Preston Johnson, I, I, I think, is, is one of the absolute best in the business. So if you're going to appear alongside these guys on a regular basis, you've got to do your research. You've got to do your homework. You can't mail it in. You know, Some guys can just show up on the radio or whatever and, and, and get through by saying whatever. That's, that's not how it works. So it, it's really pushing me to try to, to, to get better at, at sports betting, at researching, at finding what works. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a grind, but in a very good way. It's very enjoyable. I, I just love seeing sports betting emerge into what it is. I mean, Gil, you and I have been talking about this stuff for years back when, you know, it yeah, kind of yeah. had to live in the shadows. Yeah. And now that it's out in the light and you can you can really start to embrace it, it's been a lot of fun.
1: Couldn't be happier for your success, Joe, really. I, I am Thanks. so happy every time you, you just ascend more and more. That's a very fascinating point what you just made, actually. Just people want to hear about games. It's sort of like the old MTV thing. We just want to see videos, everywhere once in a right. while right and so Wait, that there, there's killer, a lesson are you that.
3: Killer, are you saying people don't want to hear the 5474th uh, iteration of his lebron better than michael jordan
1: that is correct although Colin, exactly coward, although colin coward would tell you right that with his audience he knows that that's exactly what they want to hear so it really does you know it really depends on establishing your brand i guess and and then if you build it they will come kind of thing um, the, the last part about that then, Joe, do you find, and I want you to be as honest as you could be here because nobody in San Francisco is listening right now, Joe, but do you find <laughs> that it enhances your preparation for your morning show or in some way you just can't do it all as well as you could before?
4: I, um, I, I had the morning show uh, prep uh, on a pretty good schedule. So I, I think the the problem was never going to be the morning show prep. It was going to be whether or not I was able to create enough time to prep for Daily Wager because it's two very different approaches. The the morning show is four hours and three of our segments run for 50 or more minutes. So we're not doing 15 minutes on, 15 off. I mean, we're going for 55 minutes straight, you know, and then five minutes off, and then another 55 minutes. It it is a lengthy, meaty show. So you're preparing in a very different way. You you have longer, more ver- verbose conversational points whereas on daily wager it's like look you got 30 seconds for this answer you got to look good you got to sound good you got to be accurate you've got to pace well and you've got to get out on time and you'll have someone in your ear that'll tell you 10 5 and you want to be out so It wasn't so much about changing the prep or what I needed to do for mornings. I'm coming up on five years here. I've got a pretty good sense for how I need to be ready. It was more about daily wager, like how I'd be able to create enough time to be on top of everything that's happening and then be prepared to accurately deliver that information in a way that can be consumed. You know, it's one thing to be able to... To pick a game correctly, it's very difficult, but it's one thing to do that. But then when you get on TV, you know, how are you going to present it? If right. you throw 235 numbers at somebody, you might lose them in the process. So you've got to be able to educate, entertain, inform, and then also – Uh, be insightful and accurate. So there's a lot going on, but now that I've kind of got the system down, it's really just eliminating free time. Like, this is the time of year where there's absolutely absolutely no free time. It's TV, it's radio, and it's parenting and husbanding, and that's it. Like, there's no going to the movies or going to the bar anymore.
1: (laughs) Parenting and husbanding. That's, by the way, why, Joe, I try to throw 236 numbers at people so that they can really get the full flavor of a game.
4: Dude, you you are popular up here, too, by the way. Congratulations on your success. I work with I mean, you know Ray Ratto, who's been covering sports for a long time. Ray listens to Vison. He loves you guys. He always comes in referencing because he's on the afternoon show here. So we'll cross over because I stay here to do my TV prep, and then he'll be coming in to do radio prep. He loves VEASAN. He He's all over you guys.
1: Oh, sweet. That's good to hear. Good to hear. Ray Ratto, Yeah, huge fan of yours. San Francisco newspaper staple who has uh, been multimedia there now for some years. All right, so given then that people just want to hear about games, let's talk about games. Last thing uh, of business before we do that. Mike, uh, Circus Sports Million, quarter of the season done. Everybody's 0-0 zero and zero going into the second quarterly prize, but who won the first quarter?
2: Uh, we had a gentleman out of New Jersey, Camden, New Jersey, CB Elite, the team name. Uh, Went 17 and 3. Went 5 and 0 in week four. Needed the uh, the uh, Jacksonville cover, and then it was uh, him against one other uh, entry heads up in the uh, Dallas New Orleans game. He had New Orleans, so uh, he takes it down. Surprising, a singular winner, no pushes there. And uh, 143,750 dollars. He flew in last night from New Jersey. He's getting paid on Saturday, but he'll be on. uh, my guy's in the desert at three o'clock today. Uh, he'll be with us from Long Bar with Derek Stevens and I when we uh, we do our weekly hit on Thursday.
1: That's on uh, Vison on Sirius XM channel two hundred four. Cool. Congratulations to him and uh, Todd. You are five games back, so you are good for the season right now. You are in it, my friend. I am in it. <laughs> okay, let's start. Let's start with the best bets for Week Five of the NFL. Joe,
3: no, Thursday Night Football. Oh,
1: right. That's the format. First, before we do best bets. <laughs> Any thoughts on Thursday night football? Joe, anything tonight? It is the Rams at the Seahawks. Actually, a really good game uh, in the NFC West. Two and 3-1 teams. Seattle favored right now by 1.5. Totals 49.
4: Yeah, I like Seattle here. I do not trust Jared Goff at CenturyLink Field. Uh, in this environment tonight. We saw in the Super Bowl how you can confuse him. He is very dependent upon his communication with Sean McVay, the head coach, who makes a quick read on the defense and then tries to relay in information to McVay or uh, to Goff so he can make the proper determinations. It's very college-like, the way they've coached him up. But Belichick in the Super Bowl just came up with a simple solution to that. He muddled the defense, and he didn't have them properly aligned until very late in the play clock. So Goff couldn't make accurate reads that came in from McVay, And as a result, they were held to what? Three points in that game. Communication is going to be very difficult tonight. That's only the second biggest problem for Jared Goff. The first big problem is that this offense, much like the Dallas offense, runs through the running back. You don't see that around the NFL in this day and age. Kansas City runs through Mahomes. Philadelphia runs through Wentz and on and on down the list. Dallas with Elliott and the Rams with Gurley, or formerly Gurley, because he's got problems now with that knee. Those offenses run through the running back, and when they can't establish the running game, the quarterback falters. You saw that with Dallas at New Orleans on on Sunday night. Zeke carried, what, 18 times for about 39 yards? They couldn't get the ground game going, so er, Prescott couldn't get it going through the air. Now you look at the Rams... Gurley's only averaging 12 carries per game this year. That's five below his career low, which was just over 17. Last year, they ranked third in rushing. They were putting up about 140 yards per game. This year, they're not even at 100 yards per game. They're 22nd in rushing. And as a result, it's having a dramatic effect on Jared Goff. If you can't run the ball with the Rams, Goff's out on an island trying to figure it out for himself, and he's exposed. I'm not saying he's terrible by no stretch of the imagination, but that really hinders his play. So now it's a short week. You don't have the running game. You certainly don't have the defense you used to trot out there. And you're going to go up to Seattle to play the Seahawks, who have played some pretty good football this season. With that crowd noise and that hostility, let's also throw in the fact that Seattle's better yards per play this season and they're better in turnover differential. I'm not saying I love the game or anything like that, but I am playing it. I'm playing Seattle tonight.
1: Playing Seattle, uh, by the way, me and uh, Michael Lombardi are simpatico on the whole Jared Goff thing. I really would not have thrown all that money at him, $134 million, 110 of which was guaranteed. I thought he could be this great case study of the first good team that used a quarterback on a rookie contract and then recycled. Uh, it's a little too progressive for the NFL. They threw the money at him, but I think we're at this interesting point in the NFL where teams like the Redskins with Kirk Cousins... Now the Vikings with Kirk Cousins and the Rams with Goff have to make these really huge decisions about quarterbacks that aren't exactly guarantees for the Hall of Fame. Um, To your point about Gurley, last week, five carries, 16 yards. It ain't the same Todd Gurley. It ain't the same Los Angeles Rams. We'll see what happens tonight. By the way, the Rams also got to clean up their penalties last week. 13 for 106 in a penalty-filled league. Mike Palm, any thoughts on tonight's game?
2: Yeah, I lean Seattle. I haven't made a play yet. I I, I just can't get over Jameis Winston uh, picking that Rams defense apart and uh, just how bad this Rams team might actually be. Um, I, I, would, I would have made this game closer to a three in terms of the Seahawks uh, being the real number in this game. So I think there's some value with it under three, still at one right now. So it's probably a Seahawks play for me. I like the way they played last week against Arizona, going on the road and taking control of that game early and then uh, shutting uh, Kyler, uh, Kyler Murray down. So lean Seahawks tonight.
1: Lean Seahawks. Tottie. Uh Here's the thing.
3: I liked everything Joe said. Uh, I am off this game. Maybe I'll do something in-game. The only thing I want to add and the reason I don't want to bet Seattle is here's who they've beaten. Cincinnati, we know that's not a football team. Pittsburgh on the road with Mason Rudolph, and it was close only because of that uh, fumble. But, I mean, who did they beat? Mason Rudolph, please. New Orleans, they didn't look good in that game with Teddy Bridgewater coming into their house and beating them. And then they beat Arizona, again, a team that's not exactly a football team. So you've got three wins against teams that aren't even football teams. And so, you know, although I agree with everything Joe said, I'm going to sit this one out.
1: All right, makes sense. Um, I will probably be as much into a baseball game as I will be into this game, so that's going to be my struggle. I'm on the Cardinals this afternoon. I believe, Mike Palm, you're also on the Cardinals this afternoon. First five?
2: First five for me.
1: Anything on tonight's game, the Dodgers and the Nationals, while this game is going on?
2: You know, I lean Corbin here, but I have the Nationals to win the National League at 12-1, to 1, so I'm invested already. I might not get into this series until maybe game three when it switches back to the nation's capital.
1: Yeah, I'm Nationals for the series at plus 196. I may not get involved. Involved in this particular game uh that's up right against the rams and the seahawks uh okay best bets right todd that's what we do now best bets
3: yeah i like corbin because he's a lefty
1: <laughs> you know the dodgers aren't as bad against lefties as we make them out to be this year though 322 weighted on base like not the worst thing in the world um, we'll... <laughs> okay we'll, <laughs> see. we'll see all right joe any thoughts on baseball today by the way before we go on
4: no, but I'll happily tail that St. Louis pick that you guys like so much. You know how I come to you every year for some baseball stuff? Yes. If you like it, I'm with you on it.
1: Oh, you missed two good days, man, Nationals and Rays back-to-back. I I don't start... tell me
4: that now. Not now enough. it feels like I'm getting in on the mush.
1: Well, you didn't text me. Well, by the way, how how bitter are Oakland Athletics fans at that loss yesterday?
4: It's the same story. You know, we tried to do a post-mortem on air this morning and discuss, you know, what's next? How would you grade the year? And everyone wants to divide it up. Well, the year was an A, but, you know, the playoffs were an F, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's the same old story, man. Like, you got to get over the hump. Last night, I could see them lose. If you lose 6-5, fine. If you lose one nothing fine, but to go out there and not pitch well and then not hit, it's like, what's the deal, man? You keep winning 97 games and you can't get over the hump. A lot of people not happy with Bob Melvin. They think he's not a big game manager. I don't agree with that, but that was just, if you're looking for the, uh, the thoughts on what happened last night, I mean, they took their own crowd out of it immediately. Like, immediately they yeah. sucked the life out of that building, yeah. which is exactly why they can get no traction up here. Like, they want ratings and they want support, but they just can't figure out how to deliver what the people want.
2: Can I ask you a question? What was what was the reluctance reluctance to start fires last night?
4: That's a great question. Um so they passed on him last year. I think with Manaya, he came back and you guys know all the numbers for how he looked this season. As a lefty, there was a lot of talk about how that would face against the Tampa matchup, and I think they view Manaya as a frontline guy that's going to be, you know, the future ace of the staff and that the injury shouldn't get in the way I I think that they were all just very excited about what he brought to the table they see him as a big game pitcher they figured this was the best opportunity and then talking about the platoons and how it matches up best with Tampa and trying to throw them off I mean you saw what they were doing they waited until the last possible minute to announce the starter because they wanted to give Tampa as little head time as possible to get up on that so that That's kind of where they were coming from. The fan base loved it, too. I mean, that was a very popular decision to go with Manaya. I'm not saying you program your team based on what the fans want, but that was a really popular decision before yesterday.
1: As Billy Bean likes to say, my shit doesn't work in the playoffs. And what that means is over 162 games, right, over a sample size like that, money ball works, but in a small sample size, high variance Situation of a postseason, the biggest example of which would be a one-off wild card game. There's no guarantee anything works, and and nine straight times now in a winner take all postseason game, the A's have lost, which is an all time record. Here's how the A's finished their season. If you take the game yesterday back into the uh, into the regular season, they finished the year two for forty nine with runners in scoring position. Two for forty nine. God, bless. cluster luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Like, that's not Bob Melvin's yeah. fault. Anyway, back to football. Best bets time. Joe, we start with you. You're the guest. What do you got first?
0: So do I do all three at
4: once, or do I just how, – how do you how do you like to structure it? It's going to be a lot of talking from one individual.
1: Let's do one from you, and then we'll go around the horn.
4: All right, so one from me. Okay, I'll start with this one. I'm still a little tentative on this. I, I'll be completely honest that I don't love the card this week, so I'm not going to come right out and be like, oh, my God, here's a five-star play for you. But I I, <laughs> I find myself – I'm worried about the Stephon Diggs situation with Minnesota, but I find myself gravitating to the Minnesota Vikings at the Giants. I like the Giants story over the last two weeks, but I'm not buying into that defense one bit at all. That defense stinks and they've gotten very they got very lucky last week that Keenan made a couple mistakes early and then Gruden inexplicably decides to put the unprepared n- not ready for primetime quarterback Dwayne Haskins in and hangs him out to dry as a redskin fan i don't need to re- i don't need to recap any of this for you Gil. You i'm sure that. you're suffering it yes. and i'm sorry for your loss Thank having you. to deal with this team on a regular basis but Don't be fooled. New York's secondary is terrible. After week two, Janoris Jenkins was telling the media he can't cover anybody for 10 seconds. He was basically calling out the pass rush. And they, you know, Tampa should have been able to take more advantage of it. They didn't. And the Redskins couldn't do anything last week because of how inept they are. I I, I do not see Daniel Jones and the Giant offense without Barkley having a lot of success against this defense. So right out of the gate, I think this Danny Dimes story, which has been a lot of fun, is not going to play. Washington's defense has allowed opposing quarterbacks to complete 78% of their passes this year. (laughs) Daniel Jones and Mitchell Trubisky combined to complete 77% of their passes in those two games. That is inexplicable. So this matchup sets up so much better for Kirk Cousins than it than than people realize. But the big situation and the drama unfolding in Minnesota has got me a little bit tentative about laying the points. I know Minnesota's defense is going to be able to get the job done against the Giants. I just wonder if they can put this stuff that they have going on behind them. They can go out and get this win. They, they, they've had problems connecting deep down the field. This secondary is tailor-made for you to connect down the field. Going into the Tampa game, I want to say, or actually, no, sorry, going into the Washington game, the Giants defense had given up 887 total yards combined to the Bills – and the Bucs. And I know the Bucks hung some points last week, but I don't view the Bucks as a Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers-led offense. Winston's been better, don't get me wrong, but I do not see them as one of the elite offenses in the NFL. So right now I do find myself wanting to lay the points with Minnesota. It's risky. It's a lot on the road. Diggs was back at practice today. He did meet with the media afterwards. So if they get it cleaned up by Sunday, I think they could hammer the Giants.
1: All right, so let me just jump in because that is one of mine as well. And I will just jump in and say... Count me in for that game as well. That was one of the four games on Guessing Lines. For those who listen to Guessing Lines on this podcast with Chrissy Andrews, that was one of the four games you know that I came up with there too. Uh, And I feel the same way about the Diggs thing. For those who missed it, Stefan Diggs, very unhappy. Uh, not getting the ball. He did have seven catches this past week for 108 yards in uh, the Vikings' loss to the Bears, was it, last week? The Vikings lost to the Bears last week? Yes, 16-6. to six. Yeah. Uh, He did catch seven balls. Before that, he was getting nothing. Adam Thielen is upset. Diggs has asked for a trade. The Vikings say under no circumstances will they trade him. You know what that means. Stefan Diggs will be traded probably sometime uh, in the near future. But um, I'm with Minnesota, too, for all the reasons stated, despite the Diggs' complaints and perhaps a a near mutiny situation in minnesota mike we go to you next are we
3: doing that at minus five Gil?
1: we're doing it at minus five current number is minus five it was minus four and a half on guessing lines on monday i had guessed that minnesota would be six point favorites so i will play it at minus five mike
2: all right i'm gonna go with the total for my first best bet and i know josh allen's status is not cemented yet but I like this game either way even more if he's not playing and it's Barkley. I'll go under 38-and-a-half in the, the Buffalo-Tennessee game. I, I, I think the Bills proved the point that we've been talking about. They are one of the two best defenses in the NFL last week against Tom Brady, who had one of his ten worst career games. Uh, really, without that block punt, they don't win that game. <clears throat> I think you have two extremely well-coached teams here. I think this is going to be a real grinding game where they'll try to get the, the running game going for Tennessee, and they're not going to take too many chances. I see this game being played in the teens on both sides, whether it's 17-13, 14-13 type of game. In the 20s for a total, I'll take the Bills and Titans under 38 and a half before it drops if there's any news on Allen.
1: Under 38 and, a half, and we still don't know what the what the story is on Josh Allen, Right.
2: Correct. He's still he's now in stage four of concussion protocol. Um, he's practicing, but not as Barkley's getting the first team reps. So uh, I just fear that if you don't take it now and, we, and he does not play, this number will come down another couple of points.
1: Are you seeing the 38 and a half everywhere or just in certain spots?
2: Uh, I saw it in two spots, but I haven't looked across the board. those That's the number I saw when I looked uh, at stations at Circa this morning. Okay, and I, I see it offshore a lot.
1: Okay, 38.5 it is for uh, Mike Palm yeah. under Buffalo, Tennessee, and we'll find out about Josh Allen. Todd, first pick.
3: I'm going with Minnesota, too. There you go. I like the Minnesota Vikings, and here's why. Um, first of all, if you watch the Giants-Buffalo game, there were guys wide open like it was a college game in the secondary. You know how like in the it, it, remember Mason Rudolph on Monday night threw that ball and a guy was so wide open you were like yep. is this like Notre Dame against <laughs> Bowling Green or that's something? Right. But that's what it looked like when the Bills played the Giants uh, a couple weeks ago in in the Meadowlands. Um I think Minnesota can score enough against the Giants. And I just don't believe in the Danny Dimes hype. I know he played great the second half against Tampa Bay, but, you know, beating the Redskins, what does that mean? It doesn't prove anything to me. And I love the fact that Minnesota got whooped last week while the Giants looked great. So to me, give me Minnesota minus five. It's not, you know, all I have to do is win by a touchdown. So I'll take Minnesota.
1: By the way, since you bring up the Redskins, and how dare you, by the way, is Jay Gruden really, truly considering starting Dwayne Haskins against the Patriots? Like, could you think of anything worse to do to that kid? He can't possibly he can't. be thinking he that can't.
4: Can He can't. We, we, we all know, anyone who's been around football 20 minutes knows what Belichick does to rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> it, you are going to ruin that draft pick if you put him out there again and let him get destroyed like that. You'll sh- shatter all confidence. You'll take everything away from the kid and he'll just be floating around for the rest of his career. Like that's it's it's I think Louis Riddick used the term, I'll
3: use it as well. It's it's coaching malpractice.
1: Yeah. I think that's Well, good. he's
3: going to stink anyways.
1: Is that a uh, hey, hey, stop with that, would you? Is uh, is that (laughs) is that a Lewis Riddick or is that a Michael Lombardi coaching malpractice? I wonder. We'll have to get the origin of that.
4: Mike may have used that as well. I've been listening. I worked with him at NFP. I've known. I love that guy. That that could definitely be from him.
1: He's the greatest Megapod guest last week. As a matter of fact. Uh, All right, Joe, pick number two. Best bet, week five.
4: Alright, it's another situation where I'm going to lay points on the road, um, and I, don't, I, I honestly want the backup quarterback to play, but I'll take the Bears over the Raiders in London. Um, this is the Khalil Mack game, and he's a leader on that team, and I know this is a narrative a lot of people might say doesn't mean anything when it comes to the line, and that's fine, but being here in the Bay Area, I saw what happened when they traded Khalil Mack away, and I still can't really figure out the why. It, it feels like the narrative behind the scenes about how uh, Mark wasn't gonna ha- Mark Davis, the owner, wasn't going to have enough money to pay him, so they, tried- so they moved him because they just- all the cash is tied up in Vegas, and he's kind of one of the poorer owners in the NFL. That's why they let him go, and Gruden just had to stand up there and take the bullets for him. Um, it was just a-, it was a bad move. It's a fan favorite. It's a destructive player. You saw what he's been doing in Chicago. He, he was talking this week. And he never says stuff like this. But he's been talking about how he's had this game circled for the longest time, that he cannot wait to play in this game. The last thing you want is that guy coming after Derek Carr. So here's what happens. He makes those comments. Gruden and Carr clearly realize that they don't want him wrecking the game. Gruden does not want to be embarrassed on an international stage by the guy he traded away for a bunch of draft picks that as of now aren't really, are either hurt or not really doing anything. So what's going to happen is they're going to pay too much attention to Khalil Mack. They're going to double, possibly triple, as this guy's trying to destroy them. And if this were a lousy defense with one good player, that'd be one thing. But this Bears defense is absolutely ferocious. They can hit you on all three levels. They can rush and attack from everywhere. And Oakland does not have a good offense. The skill positions are questionable. I like Josh Jacobs as a running back, but that offensive line, while it looks like they've taken a step forward, I still don't buy into it. I like the win at Indy. I, I did. I was, uh, I was on the wrong end of that. I liked what they did last week, but Indy was banged up and could never get it going. They made so many mistakes. I see Oakland going international. I think the the Bears defense smothers smothers what the what the Raiders will do offensively. And then if Chase Daniel gets the start, good. Good, because he can do as well as Trubisky, if not better, in my opinion. And I don't think you're going to have to ask too much of him. You're going to have good field position throughout the course of the day. It might not look pretty on offense, but if, if I need to cover five and a half, it's not like it's a true road game in someone else's building. You're both dealing with the same circumstances going over to London. So I'll lay the points with the
1: Bears. Well, I hate to uh, jump in again. But And I'm not suggesting that Joe listened to Guessing Lines. I'm not suggesting that at all. But it's as if he did, because uh, for those of you who listen to Guessing Lines, you know that's one of my other picks. I am also on the Bears... In London, uh, for many of the reasons stated, look, I think that it is a uh, absolutely <laughs> circled game for Khalil Mack. I do think the travel... Like, uh, I think I said on Guessing Lines, if you played this game in Timbuktu, you know, the line gets even shorter, so the travel, somewhere in some respects, mitigates the, the talent edge for the Bears, but five and a half points is what it is right now. I'll happily play the Bears in London against the Raiders, and... Um, I'm with you. I hope it's Chase Daniel. Both Mike Palm and I had the uh, Bears. Excuse me, had the Vikings last week against the Bears, and we both felt the same way. As soon as Trubisky went down, we knew we, we knew we were sunk because it was like, oh wait, I didn't handicap this against Chase Daniel. I handicapped this against Trubisky. So uh, I'm on the Bears as well. That's pick number two for me,
2: Mike. I have to tell you, I cannot play the Vikings uh, on the road with Kirk Cousins. I'm just done with it. I mean, what if Dalvin Cook can't run the ball?
1: That's how I feel about Denver, by the way.
2: Well, well, Mike, hap- they're not playing a real team.
3: They're not playing a real team.
2: What will happen? Cousins won't see the open receivers. He he has to look at them on film on Monday to see if they're open. <laughs> I can't back that. Play.
1: <laughs> $84 million for a little uh, tape review.
2: <laughs> All right, my second play is going to be uh, Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars catching three-and-a-half wow. in Carolina. Wow. Uh, I think that this Jacksonville defense, um, people overreacted and it was no good anymore because of what Mahomes did in week one. Mahomes got hit play after play after play and continued to deliver the ball. This defense is going to stand up against most NFL offenses, um, whether the cornerbacks want to be there or not. And I'd like Gardner Minshew over Kyle Allen in this spot, catching three and a half points, I think that Jacksonville is able to move the ball against most teams. And that, you know, I think that the, Minshew will not turn the ball over where we see Kyle Allen has a propensity. And despite three fumbles, we're able to win in Houston last week. I know they have a pass rush, uh, Carolina, but I think Minshew also is uh, has a little more escapability than people think, as we saw on that game-winning touchdown pass. So I'll take Jacksonville plus, uh, plus more than a field goal on the road.
1: And it should be mentioned that Kyle Allen did fumble the ball three times in Carolina's win over the Texans last week. Texans could only take advantage of it once. Uh, couldn't do anything with it the first couple times. So Jacksonville plus three and a half at Carolina for Mr. Palm. Todd, pick number
3: two. I, I want to I be very careful with that one. I don't know about that one, Mikey. I think Carolina's very, very, very un.
1: Very what? We we missed you. Very what? Very un what? Did we lose Todd? Todd are you there? Oh, Skype you. Say it again, Todd?
4: Yeah, that's a great tease cuz I was like right on the edge of my seat for that. Yeah,
1: very un what, Todd?
3: <laughs> what did I say? You said, I said be very very careful of that Jacksonville game. I I don't like it at all. I like Carolina in that one. But okay.
1: But anyway, but you said very well, un you, was, you were just going to say, you think Carolina is very un... Underrated. Oh, okay, there you go. Oh. Wow, that was very exciting. All right. So Carolina. Well, is,
3: that your, is that
1: your second pick then, no, Carolina? No, yeah, it's Mr. Man, is that your second pick?
3: It's not my second pick, but, you know, uh, you know, we have, we have too much agreement already on this call, and I was going to go with the Bears too, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with the under in the Green Bay-Dallas game.
1: Listen, if if, the the Bears were actually your second pick, you should stick with it. But okay, you do your thing.
3: I may may come back with the Bears for my third pick. Okay. But right now, (laughs) I'm going to go under Green Bay-Dallas 47. Um, If you remember last year, Dallas Cowboys were a huge under team. Uh, They have a great defense, or let's not say great, but they have a very good defense. They and what I love about them for unders is they just run the ball and they take eight billion seconds off the play clock every single time. And as you saw what happened in New Orleans, I had an under in that game, it was just a, an under festival. Um, I think it's going to be under again. I think Green Bay's defense is pretty decent, they're not going to get run all over by, by Dallas. 47 still pretty high. And I just love Dallas games going under, and I love that the scent has been has been taken away from them being an under team because of the first two games that they had this year, which were against Philly and um, the other blowout against uh, – who was the other blowout against that, that Dallas had early in the year, which also shouldn't have really gone over. You're talking about Dallas. They got Washington early, didn't they? Washington the and the Giants. Right. The Giants week Dallas- one. Right. Dallas uh, beat the Giants 35-17. There's a reason why they scored 35. It's against the Giants. They was 31-21 against Washington. There's a reason there was over 30 points scored in that game. It's Washington. And then, you know, now I think we're back to regular Dallas which is it's going to be low scoring. There's going to be great defense. There's going to be running of the football. There's going to be tick, 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 tick off the clock. I went under 47, Green Bay-Dallas.
1: First of all, I blocked out the Redskins-Cowboys game clearly already. And I'm going to step in and butt in line again for my third pick because mine is sort of correlated with that. And again, if you listen to guessing lines, you might be able to guess what my third pick is. It's Green Bay plus three and a half. For many of the reasons you stated, I think it's going to be a lot of ticking of the clock. I don't really see the justification for the hook. Uh, I had uh, Dallas as a three-point favorite here. But if you're giving me three and a half with Aaron Rodgers... Uh, A lot of this will come down to Devontae Adams for me. Do we have a status on Devontae Adams? I should really have found that out before the show. But Devontae Adams uh, was just unstoppable last week until he got the toe injury. Ended that game with uh, 10 catches. It says now he's unlikely to go. Uh, If he's unlikely to go, I feel a lot less about this. But if he does play, I love the three and a half. I've already bet it, so I'm already locked in at three and a half. I think his uncertain status is why this hasn't gone to three yet. I do think by game time it will. Uh, give me the hook. I'm taking the uh, Packers plus three and a half is my third pick.
4: Kill, let, let me push back on you one sec. And I, I'm, not, I'm not taking Dallas. I'm just curious because as I studied this game, the one thing I was thinking about was like when Dallas gets that running game going, it unlocks everything. Philly ran to the left side in that Thursday night game against the Packers and just gashed them gashed. to death. Yeah. In that game, does that? How does that factor in? I'm I'm wondering. Do you? Don't you just see Dallas having the same level of success with that offensive line, or or just it, walk me through that if you don't mind?
1: It's a good point. Green Bay has extra rest here. We had a guy who used to be on this show. I don't know if you remember him, Joe. Who you you uh, criticized earlier on the show? His name was Marco. <laughs> Uh, and uh, he used to say, no team is as good as they are one week, no team is as bad as they are one week. And I think we saw the worst of the Packers' defense in that case. Uh, And the Cowboys, here's the thing, the Cowboys have to be less predictable on first down runs. The Packers really didn't know what was coming with the Eagles. The Cowboys better figure out, Kellen Moore better figure out how to be a little less predictable on offense, because I think that was an issue for them. So, yeah, we can look at the Packers and say they had trouble with the Eagles. I would look at the Cowboys and say... Be more creative because Dennis Allen handed Kellen Moore his jock uh, on Sunday night, I thought. And I think the Packers will be able to outsmart him as well.
3: They only rushed for 20 rushes for 45 yards against New Orleans.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's that's also a blueprint too, right? We could look at it both ways. Joe, pick number three.
3: All right, so this one
4: isn't as good as where I liked it earlier in the week. It's a total. It's now sitting at 46 and a half. I like the under in the Saints-Buccaneers game to be played in New Orleans on Sunday. Um, so let's start with Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater is not, under any circumstances whatsoever, looking to take shots down the field. He has no desire to let that ball rip, and that's not just from the Dallas game. Go back and look at his entire career in Minnesota. He does not want to take shots. He wants to dink and dunk. He wants to avoid big mistakes. It's death by a thousand paper cuts. Which is a good thing for the under, because they're essentially just slightly more elaborate running plays, and you're also going to run the ball a little bit more with Alvin Kamara. You want to get him involved when you have Teddy Bridgewater running your offense. Bridgewater currently 32nd in the NFL in yards per attempt at 6.1. He's behind guys like Luke Falk and Josh Allen, and... He's a quarterback who tends to play to the under. I know it's a trend, but I wanted to go back and look at how he performed in Minnesota, and he made 18 regular season starts over, under, over two years when he was with the Vikings. The under was 18-9-1, 18-9-1 to the under in his two years as a starter in Minnesota. Again, he's not looking for the big play. You saw this against Dallas. He'll take what the defense gives him. He doesn't want to take many risks. And even with Drew Brees in the game and a half that he played, these guys are only averaging 21 points per game this season. The offense doesn't look that great, but they have gone up against some better defenses. Now, for Tampa Bay, a lot of people, and I think this might be factored into the line, you saw them hang 50-plus on the Rams on the road last week, and you're thinking, all right, these guys are starting to get explosive. They have played better offensively, but this is their third road game in four weeks. They were at Carolina, then they hosted the Giants, then they're at the Rams and at the Saints. That's a brutal schedule. Bruce Arians, the head coach, was actually complaining about that early in the season, how bad the uh, NFL got him on this schedule early in the year. Then you look at pace factors. Tampa Bay's 15th in the NFL in pace this season. New Orleans ranks all the way down at 27th. So I think this is one of those situations where you see what Tampa did last week in terms of hanging points. We still view the Saints as this high-powered offense that puts a lot of points on the board, but the case is New Orleans isn't scoring all that much, and Tampa is coming off a really high-scoring performance. So perhaps they're maybe a little bit overvalued in that department. You saw this game around 47.5. It's come down a little bit. I still like it at under 46.5. This game's going to be more of a grind i think due to tampa's exhaustion and due to the way the saints have been playing football this year
1: i like the thinking i think you're right jury's still way out on teddy bridgewater here in his post-injury career uh we'll learn more this week under 46 and a half for joe tampa bay new orleans one of 10 nfl games on sunday morning only two in the afternoon what are they doing god it's so bad Ten early morning games that we all have to red zone our way through with all of our multiple bets, and then two games, one of which is Denver in the Chargers. So it's like, who's going to really be fixated on that unless you have a bet? Green Bay Dallas being the other in the afternoon. Mike, final bet.
2: I'm going to take Todd Wishnav's favorite coach and lay four and a half points with the fighting Bill O'Briens against the Falcons. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) You mean
3: my hated coach?
2: Yeah, Atlanta is god-awful, all right, god-awful. Quinn's taking over the defensive play calling. They still can't stop anybody. They gave up 24 points to Marcus Mariota in the first half. What's even more concerning for Atlanta is they cannot run the ball. Remember, in their Super Bowl year, the only year that, uh, <clears throat> that, that, that they were really prolific on offense, it's because they were able to run the football first. You know, I'll, I'll I'll steal a phrase from someone you mentioned earlier, Gil, and Colin Cowherd, who said, you know, Matt Ryan is just Andy Dalton in a dome. I mean, they're, they're behind by three touchdowns, so he can pile up these yards, but in the first half when these games are competitive, they're not getting it done. I'll take Deshaun Watson against this team. I think Houston breaks out on offense this week, and I'll lay four and a half.
1: Yeah, um, they're among the most penalized teams in the NFL every year, the Falcons. Their defense gets torched. Uh, got torched in the Super Bowl by the Pats. They've been getting torched ever since. They have had bad injury luck, but Matt Ryan certainly has regressed terribly. I'm not really sure what Dan Quinn is good at, quite frankly. You know, I'm not sure if uh, Jay Gruden has a run for his money and uh, the first coach to be fired here. Todd, your final pick.
3: Uh, okay, my final pick, I am going to go even though I do like the Bears, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles and I'm going to do something that you're never supposed to do and that's lay double digits in an NFL game. The only thing is, it's not really an NFL game because it's the Philadelphia Eagles against Luke Falk. So it's really Philadelphia against Washington State. I don't see how the jets can score some points the jets got 0.0 against the new england patriots now unfortunately i had under 10 that day and the (laughs) patriots decided to fumble one in the end zone and let stidham come in and throw a pick six but that was the only way the jets even got to 14 the week before that we watched them be inept against the cleveland browns now i know they've had tons of time to um milk darnold back to uh health from kissing disease but luke falk uh you know he looks like he has uh has mono too because he can't move the ball either so uh the philadelphia eagles are a good team i think they're going to be able to score some points get to 21 or so i don't see how the jets get more than 7 here so i'm going to go i'm going to do something a little crazy here and i'm going to lay 13 points with the philadelphia eagles against the Jets. Let's go, Bird.
1: You're not suggesting that the mono transferred from Sam Darnold to Luke Falk, are you?
3: It's quite possible that some of these guys in the quarterback meeting might have gotten, you mm. know, very excited about one of the film, you know, the plays on the film and might have started kissing each other and who knows what happened.
1: Sorry I asked. Sorry <laughs> I asked. All right. Uh, Joe, I forgot to tell you there's a teaser of the week portion of this right before we get to the final two questions, so we'll hold off on yours. We'll give you some time to uh concoct your six-point teaser of the week. As always, guys, support for today's show comes from bookmaker.eu, an industry leader for close to thirty years. Pro players consider them a must, because they're first to post odds, take the highest limits, and pride themselves on never having kicked out a winning player. That is huge. Bookmaker's a high volume sports book best suited for the sophisticated player, also Caters to large recreational players, and their motto is always, is where the lines originate, because chances are, the sports book at which you've been betting follows their lines. Pretty damn good chance, as a matter of fact. And right now, if you visit bookmaker.eu slash gill, that's bookmaker.eu slash g-i-l-l, you'll claim your exclusive 100% welcome bonus of up to $300, that's bookmaker.eu slash gill to join and claim your welcome bonus of up to $300 right now. You will not regret it betting the only way i know how the indispensable bookmaker.eu check it out thank me later todd let's start with you there what do you like teaser wise teaser
3: wise i am gonna tease the la rams up to seven and a half so i can go through ever present three and seven uh i think the rams while i did agree a lot with what joe said i don't think they're gonna get blown out uh two weeks in a row I'll take the Rams up to seven and a half. And then I was really struggling to find another team to put this with. And I'm going to do something also a little crazy and take the New England Patriots from 15 down to, or 15 and a half down to nine and a half. Can I, are they at 15 and a half? Is that the correct number?
1: 15 on the button, 15.
3: Okay. So if I can move them down through 14, 13, and 10 down to nine, I will take New England minus nine along with the uh rams up to seven and a half
2: all right i don't hate it mike well you know what my formulaic teaser is um yes it's trad. yes it's traditionally i i tease down the chiefs we'll keep doing that it's been that's worked every every game so far so we'll tease the chiefs from 11 down to five against the colts um this colts defense is pretty bad i mean if if, if kansas city wants to run the ball they can do that as well as throw it remember with luck this is a rematch of a divisional playoff game last year that Kansas City really dominated with luck. Now without luck, we'll tease them down to five. Then I'm going to go against our team, Gil, that that we have bet to win the NFC West. And on Monday night, I'm going to tease um, Baker Mayfield and the Browns up to nine and a half at Ooh. San Francisco. Yeah, I was I was pretty impressed uh, with the bounce back performance of the Browns uh, and Kitchen's play calling lo and behold, mixing uh, Nick Chubb into the game plan. I mean, they rolled up almost 600 yards of offense against Baltimore, and I w- I watched a lot of that game. I thought they looked pretty dominant on both sides of the ball, and I think this is a close game. Uh, um, uh, it should be a very well-played uh, competitive game in San Francisco, so I'll take that number through uh, through the seven to nine and a half.
1: Yeah, I'm doing Cleveland as well. As a matter of fact, and both Mike and I, as he alluded to, have the Niners pre-flop before the season started to win the NFC West at uh, near four to one odds. But I do have Cleveland going through the uh, the seven here. Cleveland plus nine and a half on Monday night. I'm pairing it with the Bears in London. I'm just knocking that down to basically uh, the Bears plus a half. So all they have to do is win the football game. So Bears, Browns, my uh, two-team, six-point teaser of the week. Joe?
3: Wait, so you have Bears and did you say Browns just like uh, Mike? Yes, Gil? sir.
1: Yes, sir. That's what I said.
3: First half, I'll go with Kansas City.
4: I'm looking for a way to get involved in their games just about every week. Not because I think I'm smart or anything like that. I just really enjoy watching them. I've been playing a lot of Chiefs team total overs. Like, they. They just cruise to 30 points. They cruise to 30. And the one thing I've learned, I, I did bet Baltimore a couple weeks ago, and I, I got that back door. But the one thing I learned, and you'll, you'll notice this type of stuff when you're gambling against a team, like good luck stopping these guys three possessions in a row. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm not saying it hasn't been done. But when you bet against them and you watch them take the field – 3rd and 11 is where you're supposed to be comfortable. You're not. Like, you're just never comfortable. This offense has been shredding people. The, The efficiency, the speed, the manner in which they can strike from anywhere on the field. The Lions, by all accounts, should have won that game. Like, if Kansas City's an average team or an above-average team, they lose that game based on the way it played out. But they're a great team. Now, whether or not Andy Reid can manage them through the postseason into the Super Bowl is one thing, but they are a great football team. I mean, they, they they scheme in a way that makes other defenses look stupid. And Patricia put together a great game plan with corners running with specific wide receivers, and they still hung 30 on the road in that game. Like, they still got there. So... This week, because you have them as a huge Favorite and you've got a 56 point Total, you start looking at the Implied team totals, that's a lot of Points for a Colts team that's going to want to try to slow It down, so I don't know if I mess with that But I like the idea of teasing them down to five If Indianapolis does not Find a way to keep this really Close early, they're going to get put in a position They don't want to be in, and that's going to be a shootout And, and Jacoby Brissett is Not an up-tempo quarterback who's going to Sling it all over the field with a variety of Weapons in a chance to win a game 40 to 38 like indy needs to drag it down in the mud they need to force a couple turnovers they need to get kansas city off their game and even then you know keeping it within five is going to be very difficult so the chiefs on one half the other half i'll take the six and a half with the chargers and i'll knock that down to a half the chargers have not looked very impressive this season but at the same time the, the broncos are are awful they are just awful they what here's the question what do the broncos do well I mean, I I don't think there's anything. We knew when Vic Fangio took over, the offense was probably going to be an issue with Joe Flacco dinking and dunking. But at the same time, they're not playing defense. That's what worries me, is that if a defensive-minded head coach takes over a a great defense, and that defense struggles – like, how can you keep the guy on as a head coach? That's the big problem for me there. They're not sacking anybody. Bradley Chubb's out for the season, so you've lost that weapon. Um, it just looks like a real big struggle. So as sloppy as the Chargers have been at times, just winning this game is not going to require them to play their best football. They're going to have to play smart football. They can't turn it over like they've been known to do in some of these games that they should win. But I'll take the Chargers minus a half, and I'll tease Kansas City down to minus five.
1: All right, Chiefs Charger is your uh, two-team six-pointer. And, yes, Bradley Chubb out for the season. as. Uh, Vic Fangio continues to walk around a museum with a fanny pack with his hands clasped behind his back in that very slow fashion that we see at every museum in the world. That's Vic Fangio. (laughs) All right, here's the thing. This last, last, final two questions. This one question, the big favorite most likely to lose outright. I got to fudge this this week because, obviously, New England, 15-point favorites at Washington. Philadelphia, 13-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Jets. Those are the two biggest spreads. After that, you go all the way down to the Chargers, who are six-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Denver. And just to make it interesting, I'll add in, we'll go below uh, that number, which we don't usually do. But let's throw in Chicago, five-and-a-half-point favorites at London against the Raiders. The Vikings, five-point favorites... Season five and a half, but consensus five-point favorites at the Giants. And the Houston Texans, five-point favorites at home against Atlanta. If I throw all of those in, Joe, who's the most likely to lose outright?
2: yikes i
1: mean oh, and kansas of I've city of course picked... by the way kansas city of course yeah
4: yeah yeah i really like the colts in that game that, yeah. that should be great <laughs> Sunday Night football and arrowhead it's easy spot to go get a win against that offense um i most of these games i've already picked and i've already picked the favorite in some way shape or form so the one i haven't is probably uh the choice by default which would be atlanta upsetting houston but it's like i feel like i want to puke making that selection because you laid out you guys laid out earlier all the issues with atlanta and i agree I agree, it's a, it's a fool's gold team that, that p- pads these stats It makes you look, like, just look at what's happened since Kyle Shanahan left. That's the key. Since he left, they don't do a whole lot offensively. The numbers have dropped. Um, They haven't dropped off as much as you would think. But, again, it's a lot of garbage time numbers. They don't cover spreads. They don't cover spreads on the road. I guess the main reason I would make this pick is Houston seems a bit off to me, watching them week in and week out. That first week they looked great against New Orleans, and then they blew it late, and then they grinded that win out against Jacksonville, and then I can't remember what the third game may have been they I guess maybe they got a win somewhere in the third game they went to the Chargers and figured out how to get a win that was a good win but then last week against Kyle Allen in Carolina they just couldn't get it going and I like Kyle Allen in North Turner's system North Turner wants to get vertical down the field I think there's something interesting to watch there I'm not saying it's going to be a great success but it just feels like there might be something brewing there to an extent uh but yeah with the way Houston's looked With the way they're failing to protect Deshaun Watson yet again, they're just such a poorly run franchise. They don't even have a GM. O'Brien's making the decisions. It's not something I love, but if I have to answer the question, I guess I'll take Atlanta because I've already taken the favorites everywhere else.
1: Yeah, Deshaun Watson, another six sacks last week. That dude, before the game before that, uh, when he only got sacked two times— Eight straight games where he got sacked at least four times. That's half, like half a season where it's four sacks every time out. It's just at some point, the criticism on that has got to ramp up because I do think he gets a bit of a free pass on that. I get it. That's your game. You can't take that
2: many hits week in and week out.
1: Mike, same question.
2: Well, this is a tough spot for me here, Gil. Yeah, I know. Uh, Checkmate, I, huh? I, I limited to either the Chargers or the Vikings. Arguments for the Chargers are, one, Anthony Lynn. Uh, and two, no home field advantage playing in that soccer stadium. But then again, you're playing against the Broncos, who have just been pathetic uh, on on most aspects. The other one, Vikings is all your top pick, but uh, I'm still very emotionally stung by what they did last week. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm very angry. You've got an apathetic quarterback. They're in fighting. That offensive line is not good, doesn't travel well. And I just think if they cannot run the ball, but maybe they will be able to because this Giants defense isn't the Bears defense. If they cannot run the ball, you're playing against a franchise with new life, with Daniel Jones at the helm. uh, Boy, this is a tough pick. Um, eh, I have to go with the Giants uh, to beat the Vikings.
1: Okay. Vikings most vulnerable. Todd?
3: I'm going to go
2: with Atlanta, too. I
3: hate Atlanta. I can't stand Matt Ryan. I can't stand the coach. But I can't stand Bill O'Brien, too, so maybe it's a can't stand versus can't stand, and I get lucky. Atlanta at least has some talent on the field. Uh, You know, Matt Ryan, of course, is going to make big mistakes in big spots, but at least they have some talent on the field, and Bill O'Brien has had a propensity to keep the other team in the game. He's not the kind of guy who blows you out, so, you know, there might be some... Kind of a couple turnovers here or there, and maybe Atlanta finds a way to squeak it out. Of course, I don't like it either, but uh, if I have to pick one, I guess I'll take Atlanta.
1: I understand your dilemma, Mike. I, too, have the same dilemma, but I am going to pick the Chicago Bears, one of my best bets. But, you know, there is a scenario here where the travel just doesn't agree with the team. And as I understand it, the Bears are traveling tomorrow to London. I did not confirm that, but that was the word earlier in the week that the Bears were waiting until the weekend to travel, basically. So I would say the Bears, just because body clock could be the factor that I didn't factor into this, so to speak. Uh, so that would be my pick for that, a little quirky one, a game in London. Final question, we live in a bizarre world. There are 15 games this week. Who's on the bye this week, by the way? Detroit and who else? How about the Dolphins? How about the Dolphins? It is the Miami Dolphins. Detroit and Miami both on a bye. So 15 games. Let's say we lived in a strange, bizarre world where you had to pick a side on everything. But you got one free pass, one game where you did not have to bet it. Which is the game you would want no part of, Joe?
4: Arizona-Cincinnati would probably be the first one that comes to mind. Although baltimore pittsburghs close. Because the Ravens the last two weeks have really raised some big questions for me after I liked them the first two weeks. And what's the big difference? Well, the first two weeks they played nobody. The second two weeks the competition got a little bit tougher. So I'm still a little iffy on that, especially laying three on the road against Pittsburgh, which, you know, they found a way to look good against Cincinnati this past week, which brings me back to Cincinnati. So the Bengals are home here. They're laying a ton of points against Arizona. I mean, like – Cincinnati was pathetic. They were pathetic in that game on Monday night, and they were also pathetic in that game against the Niners. Like, Zach Taylor looks... See, the thing is, when a guy comes from the McVay coaching tree, that's what everyone focuses on. Hey, hey, look at this guy. He's from Sean McVay's coaching tree. Yeah, but ask a second question. Why is he in Cincinnati? And it's because he's cheap. That's what the Bengals do. They hire cheap. They always go cheap. They're the team looking to exploit market inefficiencies with guys like Pac-Man Jones and Vontez Perfect. They take the risks on the character concern guys because they fall in the draft. They're high-talented, but they also bring a ton of concern, which is why when you finally get a chance to win a playoff game, Pac-Man man and Burfitt go nuts, cost you a penalty, Steelers kick the field goal and move on. That's what the Bengals are. Now you got Zach Taylor there. He's cheap. He's in over his head. Shanahan coached circles around him in Game 2. They looked lost in this game against the Steelers, who haven't played well this year at all. So there's no way I can lay the points with Cincinnati. Then I look at Arizona, and I think to myself, who hires Vance Joseph to coach defense? He's proven (laughs) on every possible level he can't coach defense. He couldn't coach defense as a defensive coordinator. He couldn't coach defense as a head coach. He took a really good defense in Denver and ran it into the ground immediately, and now Cliff Kingsbury comes in the league and gives him a job. So that that game all the way around. Literally anything can occur in that game. I could see a two nothing final. I could see 50-48. I want nothing to do with Arizona and Cincinnati.
1: <laughs> I'm so rooting for the two to nothing final. This is by the way, this is a hard question this week cuz there's a few games that could qualify. That might be as good a choice as any, Mike.
2: Yeah, I have the same answer. For me, it, it, this is a, it's, a, it's a standout answer for me. I really actually like the Steelers in that game, Joe. I think the, oh, mental, nice. state, the mental state is just, it, it's a polar opposite 180 here, right? The Ravens get scorched by a Browns team, and all of a sudden their defense is questioned. And here's the Steelers who are 0-3, suddenly are only a game back. And I'll get to play at home here and be right back in the race. So I just think the mental state's a lot better for the Steelers. And they haven't really even let Rudolph throw the ball yet. So I lean them there. I don't want anything to do with the Bengals and the Cardinals. On Monday night, the Bengals looked like, uh, you know, they were in tank mode with Miami on trying to get a draft. I mean, draft pick. That was just god-awful, that effort. Andy Dalton didn't want to be there. Um, So – and what – we we know the lack of talent in Arizona and and the coaching issues. So I want no part of it. I don't care who's favorite. I don't care what the total is. Stay away.
1: Andy Dalton was pissed on Monday night. Got sacked oh. eight times in that game. Todd,
3: I'm going to say I don't want any part of Indy, Kansas City. Oh wow! And the reason I don't want any part of that game is because eleven points. Now Joe regaled us with tales of offensive wizardry, and I couldn't agree with them more, <laughs> including the amazing play last week, which you never see in an NFL game, and I actually jumped out of my seat when um, Travis Kelsey flipped it back to Shady. And, on, they on made a it look like, so easy. They made that look so easy. Uh, that was just, I wonder why they don't do that stuff more, and I, of course I know the reason is, if they actually do that and fumble the ball, the head coach then cuts the guy's arms off, <laughs> like in a taliban style maneuver because he's like, what are you crazy? That's not in the playbook. But I love that Kelsey to, to Shady. The only thing is the Kansas City defense is not good. And I think it's being um I think it's being masked by the fact the offense is so fantastic. Um, they could have easily lost that game against Detroit and were it not for that fumble at the goal line where the Chiefs picked it up and they didn't blow the whistle. He could have easily lost that game. Now, Indy doesn't have Ty Hilton, granted – but 11 in an NFL game is just so much. So the Chiefs better be ahead by more than 18 in the end because the back door is coming and it's coming fast. So I don't want any part of that game.
1: For me, there was a lot of choices here. Like Monday night Cleveland San Francisco, I don't have particular conviction about that one if I'm not teasing it, but on the number I don't I don't like it at all. Buffalo Tennessee is is odd, but that one I have a little more conviction on. Uh Tampa Bay New Orleans is another one I considered. It's one thing to play Dallas which is run first, but Against Tampa Bay, is throwing the ball around the yard. We've seen Tampa Bay come into that Superdome and and score a lot of points. I don't know that I would gravitate towards that game. Uh, Interestingly, I do like New England-Washington and the Jets in Philadelphia with those big numbers. But ultimately, for me, it comes down to Arizona-Cincinnati, and that's my pick. It's just glaring on the schedule. It's just like a beaming light blinking that says, do not play me because you have no clue what's going to happen here. We suck so bad on each side of the ball. Good luck to you in betting us. So that would be the one that I would gravitate towards. Thank you all. Appreciate it. We've done all we can do. Todd Wishnev, Mike Palm, staples of the show. And Joe Fortenbaugh from Daily Wager on ESPN2. And, of course, Joe Lowe and Dibs there at uh, 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. Joe, always appreciate it. Nine years in a row, may the streak continue.
4: You know, it's a pleasure, Gil. Thanks for having me on. Generally, you do radio hits and everything, and you just ask questions, but, like, I say this to you every year. I I genuinely get to come on here and learn while listening to everybody else. So, thanks to all you guys, man. It was a real pleasure to sit here and have these conversations with you today.
1: You do say that every time. It's always a great compliment. I appreciate that. And we from you. Thank you all. Thank you to everybody. Good luck with all your bets. Week five of the National Football League. Good luck with that. Baseball as well.